0: I can enjoy it. Trying to make me cry. Oh, so, last Sunday I popped into one of my favourite restaurants in Perth, Ontario, for a grilled cheese and fries. It was a busy lunch. Mostly old folks in town, I'm guessing, for the Barefoot in the Park matinee. I had a day off from rehearsals of my own show and sat myself at a little booth for two. On the other side of this was an identical booth. I was alone, placed my order right away, and pulled out my phone to occupy myself, and then I heard her voice. Are you trying to make me cry right now? Of course, I didn't look right away, but at my first opportunity, in my most casual fashion, I stole a glance across and over to my left from where the voice came. She was pretty. Maybe seventeen. Big brown eyes and long brown hair swept up, I guess, for ease and summer comfort, but calling to mind the beauties seen in the ads of the Victorian era. Sure enough, her eyes seemed dewy as she looked at her boyfriend. He wore a tank top and the mild scruff of a small-town Ryan philippi Irrationally, I hated him already. Was he trying to make her cry? Here? In Peter's restaurant? Well, it seems he had just criticized her parenting skills. No, meaning her dog. You don't take care of that dog, he said. You're never home. Spending enough time with your pooch is something I take very seriously, and I get sensitive about it myself when I leave Toronto for a six-week contract. Was he right? Was this... So far, anyway, purely on the surface, lovely girl, guilty of canine neglect? She didn't deny it. If I'm not home, it's because I'm with you. You call me up, you tell me to come over, to drop everything, and I do. Or, and she said this with a sad, very little laugh, or you say, come over, no, actually go back home, but come over later. I don't remember much of the conversation after that, not least because they had the decorum to keep their voices low, which went a long way to letting me see into a possible future for them. They didn't come off as two small-town high school kids who'd be together until the breakup sometime in the summer after graduation. They spoke to one another like they'd already been together for years. They could have been undergrads or young parents in their 30s. They could have been middle-aged. Are you trying to make me cry? He got up to pay the bill, and she poked at her French toast. I imagined leaning over to her. Hi. Yeah, hi. You know it's a big old world, right? There's nothing saying you have to stay here. With him. Where in this fantastic little interlude does your narrator get off? Oh, I see. Yes, I just heard that myself. But no, the obvious trap of the 40-something man imposing a narrative onto the life of the pretty teenaged girl aside, I mean it. My self-righteousness was mighty for some time after that. I figured the story here was about how this wise man could so clearly see the pitfalls ahead of this kid. And I could probably spin some gold in the telling of how I wanted to warn her, but of course, decorum. But no, the real story is the wise man, he wasn't passively observing this little scene play out before him unconnected to those kids. This wasn't a matinee staged for his benefit. It was something more akin to a Christmas carol with Ebenezer dropped into a booth at Peter's Restaurant in Perth, Ontario to see himself again, a small-town Ryan Phillippe as he once was, long ago, and maybe a little too recently, too. Are you trying to make me cry? The difference, I want to say, is that when I sat there, no one sat nearby listening to me be a jackass. Oh, but I bet there was. At least sometimes. And maybe they sat in judgment too. And maybe they also saw themselves. Yeah, but either way, they saw the jackass. Pretty much. Episode 54, The Listener. Written and read by Scott Clarkson. Music by Garner Firebird.